This is Ray Houghton, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. The Fulham Focus Podcast. Happy New Year's week to you all. I don't know about you, but I'm thoroughly enjoying 2023. Three wins on the bounce and back to seventh we go. After a dazzling start, we gave Leicester a tune to dance to which sadly gave them the momentum to make it a game of two halves, which ended with our backs to the wall and shithousing a 1-0 victory on the road. I think we all went into that game from proud, confident and downright sexy to shaking like a shitting dog. But nonetheless, what a result and what a time to be a Fulham fan and what a time to do an instant reaction. With me are Morgs, Sarge and Danny. Let's go. Fulham. Right, lads. I, I um, well, I, I could go into how New Year's and Christmases have been for you all, but it seems a bit pointless. Is about as pointless as still having your Christmas tree up at this point. You know, we should all leap, let sleeping dry January's lie, I suppose. But Morgs, I'll, I'll go to you because I actually see that your Christmas tree is still up, and I've, <laughs> um, I'll just get you. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but I'll, I'll, yeah, let's get your reaction to this brilliant win and just the three wins that, that we've just watched mate to tell me I feel fantastic but I'm still shaking a little yeah no I'm holding on to it alright <laughs> yeah I feel amazing oh I mean I was it was my first day back at work today and I felt like shit this morning and now I feel really happy and it's just like that's the that's the kind of game you know so we've had three very different games over the last uh, week or however long it's been I've lost track over Christmas period times um, you know Crystal Palace we coasted to that win obviously them having nine men helped but you know so we coasted to that we snatched a win in you know horrible conditions at uh, at the cottage on Saturday New Year's Eve whenever that was and tonight oh that was just pure shithousery I mean I haven't seen a Marco Silva win like that uh, in in my memory so far that was you know, that was Scott Parker-esque, almost. You know, the only thing that we didn't have was uh, Maxime Le Marchand coming on at the end. I mean, that all, you know, on 60, 60 minutes. And to actually come out with three points at the end of that game, having our backs to the wall against a team, you know, who are fairly desperate for points, it's just, that is a really good feeling. It wasn't a great performance by any stretch of the imagination. It was certainly in that second half. First half, I thought we were really good. Second half... Uh, and we just, you know, we barely had a sniff at goal. But I'm more than happy with a win like that because three wins on the bounce, you know, solidifying up, uh, you know, our seventh place or, you know, at least our top half position. And that is, uh, you know, that is exactly how you want to start the year and exactly how you want to react after that long layoff. Mm. And particularly after the wank fest from the media last night, giving Brentford all the praise for going seventh when we've just overtaken them again, which is lovely. You, they, they... They can have that. They can have that. It doesn't matter. You know, they sort of like, you know, as soon as Ivan Tony gets banned for, you know, however long, 10 minutes. 12 years. on yeah. 300 games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, to be fair to them, they did well. Yeah. But, you know, let the, you know, let Carragher and co wank off over them. And we'll just keep going quietly about our business. Love it. And Sarge, mate, you're, you're, you're making this very nice just by eating some cake to celebrate at the moment. I see that. How are you doing? And just your opening thoughts, mate. I just thought it was cake was the right thing to eat at 
10 20 on a on a night after a win like that it's celebratory isn't it absolutely um is 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 a great result i think those wins they're they're horrible while you're watching them but as soon as they're over they are the most satisfying when you see your team grind out a result like that back to the wall you, you come away from it just as euphoric as you would a 5-0 thrashing like it's just it's what you know, you know that you're going to need those results over the course of a season if you're going to achieve anything. You need to pick up those wins at some point. And we've done it now, really. We, we've done it differently, but in the last two games, we've ground out results. Tonight was very much us against the wall, having to just dig in, really. And, you know, the weekend, we, we had to force it a bit more, but we were kind of in the ascendancy, more in control of the game, I always felt. I always felt we were the better team. T- tonight, we weren't the better team, and we still managed to get the results. So... It's a massive result. It takes a lot of pressure off of some of the tougher games we've got coming up now. We've got Chelsea to play. We've got Tottenham. We've got Newcastle. And while Chelsea and Tottenham aren't up to much, Newcastle are going to be a tough game, especially away from home. It just removes the pressure to have to go and get stuff out of those games. We can just go into those games nice and relaxed, play our own game. And I actually fancy us to get some points from them. But I think it would have been harder to go into those and get points when you're desperate for them. And we're not. We're we're in a position now. We're not going to be desperate for points for a long time. A lot's going to have to go wrong for us to be desperate for points. Um, I count eight wins now. Ten wins and some draws sees you safe, and we're we're two wins away from being at that magic number ten. So it's yeah, we're off to the races. This is brilliant. It's it's mad when you look at it like that. And I mean, the thing you know, we we need four more wins to at least guarantee it. But like you said, I mean, we just could maybe do with a few more draws and one win, and we will be there. Danny, mate, it's so good to have you on board for this one, man. How have you been? And just generally your thoughts, and if this is uh, how how is this making you feel in terms of past like you know Premier League seasons gone? Hello, mate. Yeah, uh, happy New Year, Merry Christmas, and all that. And you, man. I actually feel like I've got the the upper round here because you can you can see Morgan's tree up, you can see Sarge eating cake. But you don't know what I'm doing because the camera's off. You know, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps I'm naked. Maybe that's how I celebrate these kind of victories. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on. So uh, yeah, back to Fulham. Uh, very, very proud of the way we've played um, the last few weeks. I think the World Cup came at a very good time for us. It gave the likes of William a chance to to recover and 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 rest because at his age, and I think that's really important. And we was, although we was doing all right against the Manchester sides, the the momentum was starting to to drop off. So we've come back with a bang. Um, ideal three games to come back with. And, and for once, it feels like a lot of things are going in our favour. The Palace game in particular, the likes of Tompkins playing their first game for, for what, 12 months in the Premier League and, and, you know, the red cards and everything going our way. But you make your own luck. And I feel like the style of play we play, the confidence, the desire to go and win uh, and punish the opposition. And I do think football is an, a percentage game. And if you have 10 shots as opposed to one um, and one of them gets deflected, well, that's not lucky. You know, the chances are that's bound to happen one day. So I feel like we make our own luck and we deserve to be where we are. Um, let the media talk about Brentford. You know, I actually think Brentford are a really good team, but I watched them last night, and and I would much rather the, the way we play. Um, and I don't see any reason why we can't continue this for the rest of the season. I think, you know, we we've got players coming back now, um, and yeah, I'm very very happy. And and today was one of those games where 
I tried desperately to try, try and watch it. Uh, and then I wish I hadn't because it was like torture to watch. But like Sarge said, it's the kind of game that the most satisfying. When you when you come away from that and it goes your way, the relief and yeah, three wins in a row. I mean, absolutely magnificent. I mean, give uh, Marcus Silva a new contract now. I agree with that 100%. I feel like we're at the safety set, nearly at the safety stage where it might be a good idea to give him a contract for sure. I think a lot of people are starting to I've seen I've seen West Ham fans online, I've seen I've seen some even some Everton fans that we should get Marcus Silva back. But I I I think 100% he's worthy of a new contract. I wonder if we might do it before we reach the 40 point mark. Um Do we do we want to tempt fate though? That's, that's the, the thing. thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Everything's going so wonderfully at the moment and I mean, I know some of us aren't particularly superstitious and uh, but you know given the situation that we're in don't chain don't rock the boat too much yeah <laughs> I, I, he does deserve a new contract I mean that's not beyond the bush I just uh, think that with the football we're playing and I'll just go to the game the football we played in the first half Serge I, I think that was probably some of the best sort of I, I felt knackered watching it in terms of I mean it was it was so end to end I thought that Leicester obviously would give us a good game and it would be quite open and I feel but we really set the pace and, and I, I just I've, I don't think I've ever seen Robinson run that fast for us before I don't think I've seen us like react on on the counter as fast as that I, I felt like we should have probably been about 3-0 up in the first half it was fantastic wasn't it yeah I mean for 20 minutes we, we were really good we we absolutely took the game to them. We took control of the game really early, I thought. I mean, I think, I think from from kickoff, we pretty much won the corner within 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, we put them straight under it. For, for 20 minutes, I felt like we really bossed it. After we scored, I felt like that woke them up a bit. Um, and they came into the game a bit. And they, they did put us under a bit of pressure, but the game was really open. There was like a spell from about 25 minutes until about 40 minutes where it was it was really open. It could have gone... Could have gone either way. Both teams were getting breaks on each other without necessarily forcing stage from the keeper, but you could just see the spaces appearing. Um, but we, we we dealt with that first half quite well, I thought, because as, as much as we were under pressure for spells of it, we we didn't give too much away. Perez had a, had a good chance and he should have scored um, at the back post. But other than that, we didn't we didn't have too much to worry about. But second second half, it it did turn, didn't it? Um, it it was one of those. It, even second half, they were causing problems, but a lot of their shots were from range. So, like, Tillemans hit the bar. Um, he had one that sort of whistled past the post. Um, aside from the Vardy one and the Barnes ones, every, everything else was quite speculative. They're just it, It's just that Tillemans is really good at hitting those sorts of shots. So, as speculative as they were, they, they were close. Um, it's, it's a funny one for us. I think we, we need to find a way away from home to, to play our football I think away from home while we've picked up some really good results Palace was was comfortable as we said things went our way with the senders off a little bit um, but Leeds was quite a chaotic away win um, tonight was quite a chaotic away win Forest was quite a chaotic away win um, we probably need to find a way that away from home we're not we're not in these chaotic games. We need to maybe try and find a way to see them through in a little bit more style, like we have done in some of the home games, to be fair. Um, yeah. That's probably the thing I'd like to see us try and pick up second half of the season. Can we get through some of these away games without without the stress, so to speak? I think no. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on that, Morgs? Because, I mean, like, you know, I thought... I thought I, I, it, it, it's still a Brendan Rodgers team and they obviously are you know quite easy on the eye and, and they found their press 
a lot more sufficiently in the second half. Um, I think we owe a, I think this might have been one of Leno's best games for us. And I remember Leno actually being linked to Leicester um, just around the time when we were on the cusp of actually signing him because obviously they had sold Schmeichel and there were rumours that he'd go to Leicester and I felt, oh, this is perfect, isn't it? I, you know, I can imagine Leno just giving a brilliant performance actually just to prove how much they missed the chance of signing him. But just, just your thoughts on everything I've just said, mate, basically. It, it was an interesting game because... Generally, with our uh, with our style of play, and under silver, we've gone. We've you know, we've got that one 0 lead, and we've gone for the jugular. You know, we we've built on leads. And this time round, we really did soak up the pressure. And you're right; it was Leno's best game, I would say. Uh, he made save after save. He seemed incredibly assured uh, throughout the match. Uh, even you know prior to it, you know, taking crosses, you know, his communication with his defence as well. Um, and it was just, it was it was just quite interesting, really, to watch. I mean, it was sort of, you know, proper tenterhooks kind of stuff. But at the same time, you, you look at it and go, you, you trust this Fulham defence. Or, you know, you, you trust Bert Leno for a start to be good at shot stopping. I mean, that is his forte and always has been. The, uh, you know, looking at sort of how Reem and Tosin played together, they were good. Uh, Robinson, I thought, had a brilliant game. Tete, again, was very good. Uh, obviously, both... Uh, no, Robinson didn't get booked, did he? But he was all over the place. Yeah. And, you know, I just... I guess, you know, prior to the match, they knew how Leicester were going to come out and how their style would be, especially when they went 1-0 down. And they just went to soak, in the, soak up the pressure, and they did it very, very well. Yes, it was a bit heart and mouth sometimes, but at the same time, if that's what they knew they were coming, you know, getting into, then they did it incredibly well. And we can't, you know, you can't underestimate the, uh, you know, the, uh, the scouting of an opposition team when situations arise like that, because, you know, we could have been looking at a 3-1 defeat in that second half. But, you know, we came out and we were solid for the most part. And, uh, yeah, well, obviously it would have been good if Harry Wilson had finished it off at the end. But <laughs> the style of it, how we won it was great. Yeah. Anyway. I, I I have no idea how we didn't concede, to be honest. I was I was, I was was convinced that we'd get a draw and I'd be on this pub with you guys just feeling a bit deflated. I'm absolutely, I'm just so fucking happy. We but you're won, usually so optimistic, mate. I know, I know, you're right. But, but <laughs> nonetheless, I just, I was just, it just felt like the, it was it was coming and it just didn't happen and I'm I'm, I'm on cloud nine because of it. Danny, what, what are your thoughts in terms of what Sarge was pointing to there and just saying of how we closing out games and if we actually need to be maybe a little bit more in control on the road for these sort of situations and just your general thoughts on what we discussed on Leno and um, the defence in general I think I think I would agree a lot more strongly with Sarge on that if we were talking about going into next season and building on what we've done this year but I think we are still a promoted team and I think we rely heavily on the same core group of players we've got to remember William played his first game in a row, in a short space of time, he's 34, uh, and we rely heavily on him. Mitrovic, we still don't know if he's 100% fit. Um, and I think today looked like a team that was very leggy, like it was one game too many. It took its toll. 
Um, and I think in those situations, you've just got to find a way to get through it. Um, and yeah, we've played better. We've played better than we played against Southampton. We weren't very good in that game. But three games in a row, we found a way to win against teams that you'd argue should be there or thereabouts with us, you know, in, in realistically, you know, I mean, I know Southampton are bottom, but Palace were on the same points as us at the time we played them. Uh, most people predicted Leicester to win today. Uh, and, you know, and, and little old Fulham comes up with, it, with the win again. So I, I'm, I don't care how we won. Uh, and I don't care how we went on the road. I, I think you've got to keep perspective. You know, our away record has never been amazing in the Premier League. In fact, you know, that four wins on the on the on the road this season, that's the second highest we've ever had. Five is the highest. We did that in two thousand and three oh four. Um and in that season, you know, until Sahar left, we was in the Champions League places. So this is incredible. I mean, we tweeted the other day a list of all the record highs um, that we've had in, in the Premier League, what season was the highest for points, wins, etc. Not because we're getting cocky, but just to show you there are some that are realistic now that this team could break records. Uh, and our average points at the moment, we are well on, on course to be our highest ever points total. That is unbelievable, considering where we've been the last few years. So I think Marco Silva deserves a, a lot of credit, and I think the players do as well. Whether they were at it or not today, the fact that they battled on and they somehow came through with the win, to me, a win's a win. And we won't remember the performance in, in a month's time. We got the three yeah. points. Exactly. Nice one. And, and, you know, you talk about breaking records. I think Rick Mitro is now on record for his, his best uh, Premier League goals he scored. I think he's on 11 now after that goal. Yeah, um, and, and Dempsey is the highest in in a season with 17. And you look at Mitro now right. and you've got to say, that's very doable now. So very. there you go. There's another one that could easily be broken. And you, and you mentioned how obviously he's at 80% and still scoring goals like that. I mean, there was a quite a scary moment where he was down for quite a while with that ankle and we thought, oh, fuck, here we go. But luckily he, he came through it and scored that goal. I mean, he... Um, obviously, the goal was fantastic. We could talk all day about it. I mean, the Willian assist was beautiful. I mean, for 34 years old and being rested, like you said, Danny, I mean, he, he is, he, he's just been amazing for us. Amazing. Oh. Uh, and, and it's quite funny watching the comparisons. I think we're having a bit of a fun a fun uh, game at the moment in the WhatsApp group, just like, showing all the messages we said at the start of the season saying our original thoughts on what Willian would do for us. And we all th- said, this is bullshit <laughs> this isn't going to go I, well at all he was shit for us he's here we sensational are. he really has and and you know what I mean maybe it's knee jerk because you know I'm on a higher from, from watching the game but when I saw the goal go in I, I thought to myself that's world class you know the, the, the vision to execute the pass it had to be inch perfect for Mitrovic to take it in his stride, off his chest, you know, and, and, and split second to react because for all Mitrovic knew, the defender was going to get his head to it. It just went over his head into Mitrovic's path and the composure to score. That is an unbelievable goal. I think that's our goal of the season for, for technique, um, for both the pass and, and the finish. Unbelievable. You know, and, and to me, that's what we should say sums up um, Marco Silva's team. Not that we, we clung on to a 1-0 win, uh, undeservedly we won because we scored an unbelievable goal I think it was it, that, that goal was interesting as well because they 
the left back kind of com- went completely AWOL for it. Um, so either he was supposed to be marking Mitro or Fass was supposed to be marking Mitro, but either way, they just let him sort of like be where he wanted to be, uncontested. And as I said, as you said, the pass was amazing, pinpoint. And the thing about Willian is whatever he did at Arsenal, whatever he did at Corinthians, is just must have been a bit of a blip because that guy is... It's it, Well, it's a bit like watching Berbatov in the sense of him having, you know, talent, uh, touch, all that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I know exactly that, that, what you mean. That, it, doesn't, it doesn't go, does it? But he's also got the speed. He's also got the work rate as well, which is something obviously Berbatov didn't really have. And... It's it's quite it's almost poetic watching him because he is that good uh, at the, with the ball at his feet, but the fact that he also works hard to get it as well, and that pass, I mean, it was just it was glorious. And Mitro's finish, I mean, given the fact that he was on the floor looking like he was about to go off a few minutes earlier, I mean, it was a bad tackle. Let's not let's not lie, it, he didn't go down easily. It was just, it was just brilliant, and I think, yeah, Danny, you're right. I mean, it was one of the technically one of the best goals we've scored all season. Yeah, and uh, I think we've got to sort of look at that. That's going to be one of those things that the teams who come up against us moving forward are going to go. Oh, that's another way they can actually get us. I think Mitrovic as well. You've got to, you've got to appreciate the movement of Mitrovic there. I know, like Morgan, you said the left back went missing, but what Mitrovic has done, which any top-level striker is going to do, is he's positioned himself between the full-back and the centre-back. So he's on the centre-back's blind side, so fast can't see him. And the full-back, he knows if the full-back comes and gets tight to him, physically, he wins that match-up. So he goes and positions himself where, really, the defender can't take responsibility for him because he has to be facing the ball. So he has to show Mitro his back. And as soon as you show, as soon as the striker sees the back of a, the defender's shirt, it's, it's trouble. And then it comes down to is William good enough to pick him out? And he obviously is because he's, you know, he's got that level of ability in there. But Mitrovic gets a lot of plaudits for, you know, he's strong. He makes life difficult for defenders. He's a very intelligent striker. His movement is very good. You think about the amount of goals he scores in the six-yard box. You don't score that many goals in the six-yard box without knowing where to be and when to be there. I, th- I think um, I think Silva's improved him, though. And and that comes back to the William thing as well. You know, going through a dipping form at Arsenal, it not working out, not working out in Brazil. But just the way he improves every single player... And and if if a player's not worth keeping, he's ruthless. He doesn't waste his time. If he sees any kind of potential in a player, he will work with them and he will make them into the player he wants them to be. Look at the way he's changed Harrison Reed's role from the way Parker used to use him. The way we use Tom Kearney. You could argue Tom Kearney's been as important as anyone this season when he comes off the bench. The way he influences games. He looks like a, a born to play in the Premier League. Whereas I never thought that. Um, in previous promotions. I thought he, it looked like a step too far for him, that his legs couldn't cope. But having that role, and and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm not a football coach as such. So, you know, what Silva's doing for me, and that's a sign of a good manager, is he improving the players he's got? And for me, he does. So, you know, unbelievable. And I think Mitrovic is very lucky that he was appointed because he's taken his game to another level. 
I, th- I was listening to, uh, what was it, BBC Radio London or something before the game started today. And uh, Jamal, I can't remember his name, but he was talking about how whenever you look at the Fulham squad, they all look happy. They all, and you know, he was he's an ex-footballer, he's kind of, uh, knows a couple of the guys there. And he said that, you know, they're, they're all happy players, even the ones that aren't playing much. Mm. And that is down to Marco Silva. And the way he treats the team, he treats the team with respect. He obviously gets into the ears of the players and makes them feel wanted, even if they're not starting every game. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, Tom Kearney's role, then obviously he said, my starting midfield is Harrison Reed, Jao Palunya. And then, but you are an important part of that. And a game is 90 minutes. You know, that's... That's where, you know, the games are won in the last 10, 15 minutes these days. And the fact that we have five subs available as well actually adds that new, dy- uh, you know, that new dynamic to the whole tactics. Yeah. And so I think, you know, Marco Silva is, uh, you know, whilst in the past, his previous jobs, uh, I guess Everton primarily, uh, he didn't, you know, I mean, Everton seems to be a poison chalice at the best of times. I think he's come into this and he's shown where his strengths are. Yeah. And that is man management. Obviously, tactics have been brilliant, but man management as well, getting the best out of these really good players. 100%. And I think um, something to easily forget about Marcus Silva, he's 45 years old. He's not even 50 yet. And uh, he was touted as like a very exciting young manager, even when he joined Hull. And then Watford, the football they played, even for the few months before he bit his eyelids to... Um, you know, um, to Everton it was was brilliant, and in Everton, you're quite right, is a poison chalice after the result tonight with Frank Lampard definitely on his way out. Um, you know, I, I would also say that you know you talk about a happy squad, and this comes quite comfortably on what I'm going to bring on to Sarge now. Um, so the only change he made at the start of the game was Tosin replacing Diop, and that seemed to be actually like I think Diop was almost quite. Um, the most assured I've seen him since he stood next to Joachim Anderson, I would say. I think that was actually a very bold move. I'd just like your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I, it, a lot of people are saying that we need to bring players in to compete for starting positions. And it, it links in a little bit to, to what Morgan was saying there about players, even when they're not playing, they're happy and they understand their role in the squad. It's, it's very difficult to have a squad where you've got two players for every position and everyone's competing for that position, especially at our level. So to have players, some positions they're going to compete for, I think Tosin and Diop and Reem are kind of, they are in competition for their starting positions. Reem solidified his place because he's such a leader and, and he's the left, he's the left-sided centre-back. Um, but Tosin and Diop are, they are kind of at it to try and force their way in and Diop's done really well. I thought Diop, Gave the ball away a lot on Saturday against Southampton. I agree. He was very good defensively out of possession, but he he wasn't very good in possession on Saturday. And I think Silva probably saw that and thought away from home, where the opposition might press us a little bit higher, we probably need a bit more assuredness on the ball if we're going to get out. And that might be his thinking. I don't know. That might be his thinking of of why he put Tosin in tonight. But Tosin is a good defender. I think... I said it last season, I think he gets a little bit of a raw deal because the expectation on him last season was quite high in the sense that everyone thought he was going to be the leading centre-back and that and people were a bit unsure about Tim Ream. Um, and Ream did really well and, and almost overperformed and has continued to 
overperform. Whether or not you could say he's overperforming when he's been doing it this consistently now is is probably you know up for debate. If he is overperforming, if that is just his level, he is just performing to the level that we should we should respect him for. Um, but I think the expectation on Tozin has always been a little bit higher. So he's he's not playing to the same barometer. He's he's done well, but Diop's been really impressive when he's come in, and it was important for Tozin to come in and have a good game tonight. And and I think he did that. I think he came in, he was assured. There were no no real blips. I know he picked up a booking, but he defended well. He played out well. He kept it very simple. He was a big part of that rearguard action that we put in in the second half. So it was it was a positive night, and I think it just shows the strength of this squad as well that someone like him is able to come in. And although other players are playing well, we don't look weaker for him coming into the side. And that's really important. You can only have that in a few positions. You're not going to be able to do that across the pitch because people are going to get unhappy. There's going to be disharmony and, and that doesn't work. So to see Tosin come back in, he's not sulked. He's got his head down. He's done the work tonight. Will he continue to hold that place against Chelsea? Will he play in the cup game? We don't know, but it, it looks healthy at the minute. The way the squad is shaping up is healthy. Have players come in and do that is really important. Well, I can tell you who isn't playing against the Chelsea game, and that's Mitrovic to like all the, the the people that have him in his fantasy team and all us fans. We're, we're pretty annoyed about that. We all were saying before the game, he just needs to just avoid taking his shirt off after he scores a hat trick, just like you know, on, on, without any yellow card. He just needs to make sure he doesn't get another yellow card, and unfortunately, he did. Um, I don't really know, Danny, if this is going to... I mean, there are a lot of things we can talk about with the games coming up with Hull and obviously Chelsea on the horizon, but I, I think... To, to be without Mitrovic for Chelsea is, I mean, we can, I think, I don't know what I'm trying to go over this. I think it's obviously going to be Vinicius taking his place, but it was kind of, it felt inevitable. That, I mean, the amount of yellow cards, actually, in fact, they were that we were getting, I mean, I, I think actually was part of the reason why we couldn't really get at them as much in the second half. It felt like we lost yellow cards to both Paulinho and Candy within the space of, like, you know, minutes within each other maybe I'm wrong but just we, we felt very shackled those yellow cards but yeah just your general thoughts on the Mitrovic yellow card and just whatever you want to talk about mate it's it's an instant reaction yeah I mean obviously when you see the starting lineup and and you see Tossin is coming and and in other games there's been one random change that you're not expecting I think the immediate reaction is to panic and I suppose people will panic now that oh my god Mitrovic can't play against Chelsea well I've, I've, I don't know if it's my age, I'm getting old, but I, I try to see a positive in everything. I try to think, why has he done that? Or, or what can we do now that we're in this situation? You know, it is what it is. Mitrovic can't play against Chelsea, which obviously isn't ideal. But now there's no reason to drop him against Hull. Play him against Hull. Let Vinicius play against Chelsea. And let's take the FA Cup game seriously. You know, don't make seven or eight changes. Make two or three. Uh, and let's get through. You know, focus on the, the next game in front of us. Um, and, and going back to the, the, the Tossin um, decision, you know, I, I've been a crit critic of Tossin. I don't think he's uh, as good as I expected him to be. That's exactly what Sarge said. I, I think we had expectations of, of him being the, the main man. And it's not worked out that way. Reem has, has played, exceeded our expectations. And perhaps maybe it's not a case of tossing underperforming. Maybe we just overplayed how good he actually was. Uh, but 
he come in and and it was the right decision. I I would add to um, what Sard said about uh, the uh, Diop giving the ball away and say perhaps it's because he's quick. With you know the likes of Vardy and that in behind, I think uh, Tossin has a a quicker recovery um, if he gets caught out of possession. You know, Reem's quite slow as well. So, but it worked. He, he played really well and. We was under the cosh for pretty much the whole of the second yeah. half, and we come away with a clean sheet. How can you argue with that? So, I I am just fully behind whatever Marco Silva thinks. You know, I I'll sit here and I'll give my opinion, but nine times out of ten, you know, he gets it right, and I thought he got it spot on today. You know, we we are limited with the squad we have. I would. I know, I know people were saying that Pereira had a bad game today, but I actually think we missed him when he went off. The the Pereira that normally plays because there was no one to carry the ball up the pitch and relieve that pressure, uh, get us get us into the uh, the the other end of the pitch. So, I think maybe that's something to look at in the transfer window. I don't think there is a like for like replacement for him. Yeah. But another point Sarge made: it's not easy to keep two players for a position happy. So sometimes you just have to take. Take it as it is. If we only have one Pereira, then thank God it's the Pereira we got because nine times out of ten, he's phenomenal as well. So, all in all, yeah, I, the Mitrovic situation it is what it is. Play him against Hull now, and then and then he gets a rest, and then he'll come back and smash it the game after Chelsea. We're in a comfortable position. We don't have to panic. I mean, I, I I would disagree with the Mitro playing against Hull because I think the fact that Vinicius hasn't actually played... I mean, he played against West Ham in the friendly, but he needs a competitive game under his belt. And if he plays on Saturday, he's got a few days till the Hull game. I think he needs a good... You know, even if Mitro's on the bench or, you know, Dan James is on the bench to bring on after 70 minutes, I think he needs to come on and hopefully get a goal. Because I think he needs he needs to get a competitive goal under his belt in order to give him a bit of confidence. Because Chelsea is going to be a difficult game. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I think if uh, you know he, he's had a good game on Saturday in the cup, and that he's able to start against Chelsea and get you know a bit of a you know bit of uh, you know steam in his shoes, for one of Ben analogy, and then hope that he sort of, you know, he can actually um, cause uh, cause them a few issues. Because for most teams, he's been very easily dealt with. And I think he just needs, he needs a bit of confidence in him. And I think, you know, a goal or two against Hull, potentially, uh, would do in the world of good. Yeah, so your thoughts on the cup fixture, Sergeant? I mean, uh, this brings us nicely on now to moving on to the game for the, the future of this week, where we're actually quite jam-packed. Yeah, I, I agree with Morgan. I think you've got a few players in the squad that need games and need minutes. If they're going to be a part of this squad, they need to play. And this is an opportunity. We've played a lot of games in a very short space of time. Like We've played three games now since Boxing Day. Um, it's, it's a rough schedule. And then it doesn't lighten up because we've got Chelsea on the Thursday. Then we've got a game on the weekend, on the Sunday against Newcastle. You know... We, the, the schedule that this this is an opportunity to put some minutes in legs of players that haven't played a lot and give those that have played a lot a little bit of a little bit of respite just after this hectic period 
I know they just had time off for the World Cup, but to have that time off for the World Cup and then come back and play three games in a week is is a lot um, without an adjustment and a settling in period. So I think you've got to play players that haven't had a lot of minutes. I think you could play Mitrovic against Hull if he is going to miss the Chelsea game. So I, I don't disagree that, that you, you can put him out there and it, it does give us a bit more of a threat. But I also agree with the idea of you, you could say to Carlos Vinicius tomorrow um, when they turn up for training, you've got you've got the next two games. Like the next two games are your two games to go out there and show what you can do. And that might just boost him a bit. If he knows he's got two games now to go out there and make a statement, um, you know, a player that hasn't played a lot of football, he's going, right, I've got I've got two 90 minutes to to go and put put my stamp on this team. Um I think you've I think this weekend it's whole you you've got to give minutes to the likes of Harry Wilson. He he looks like he's he's missing minutes. Um he hasn't been great since he's come back from his injury, but I think he is the sort of player that kind of needs a run of games. He needs to get into the groove of things. That one-on-one that he had tonight, you know, if he's played three games on the bounce, he probably scores that one. Um, so I think you need to get minutes in his legs. I think it's an opportunity. Manuel Solomon was on the bench tonight. It's an opportunity to, to give him some minutes, maybe not start him because he's been out for a long time, but, you know, you could give him a good half hour. Um, you know, players, Kazawa needs minutes. He's not played a lot of football. And he's fit now. So yeah. he, he's fit. He was on the bench again tonight. Well, four now. These, four now. These, yeah. these players need to play. <laughs> yeah. How long for? We don't know. But these players need to play. They, you know, they, they need minutes. And this is an opportunity to give them minutes. And it makes sense to to pull some of them out of the firing line a bit. You know, Pereira looked a bit jaded tonight. Um, you know, William didn't influence second half while he was on anywhere near as much as he influenced the first half. Bobby Reed looks a little bit jaded has done for the last two games I would say I don't think he was great at the weekend I don't think he was overly influential tonight so give those players a little bit of a, a breather let them reset they've had a re- they've come back they've got the results they should be on a high let them reset while they're while they're still on that high and then they come back out for the Chelsea game fresh and raring to go again I think this is an opportunity to give minutes I'd love a cup run I really would love a cup run but I also think you've got a You've got to manage manage the load on these players, and three games in a week after the best part of six weeks off is is a lot to ask. The thing is, given given our squad, I think we can make nine or ten changes from tonight's lineup and still have a strong team out on Saturday. Yeah, and I think someone like Mana Solomon or you know uh, Kazawa coming in, Rodak will come in. He'll get a game. Uh, you know, Vinicius might come in. Tosin, I think, might be the one that stays in. And you know, Kenny will get a game. Um, no, listen, you know, I maybe a Luke Harris will probably get a game. What they're saying, mm. there's a lot of what, common sense to what, do, what they're saying. Well, what are your you know, thoughts, Danny? Because you love a cup run, and this is uh, this be interesting played, to see if, like, if, if what Sergeant Moggs are saying, give him a rest. But my my argument would be that we've got ourselves in a position now where we're not under pressure. You know, what realistically, what are we aiming to achieve from this point on? Do we think we're going to get in the Champions League places? We actually have, I think, quite a unique opportunity now because we aren't under pressure um, to uh, in the Premier League games. We aren't looking over our shoulders for survival. We're going to have seven or eight teams that are going to want to get out of the FA Cup ASAP. And they will play like kids in reserves and go out and not lose any sleep over it because they can't afford the extra games. The schedule is so jam-packed because of that World Cup, that we are basically playing every midweek for the rest of the season. So 
you'll have the, the top clubs in Europe. When that comes around, they aren't going to want these extra games. So there's every chance they'll put out the reserves and maybe go out, unless they're a Man City whose reserves beat everyone anyway. Even Arsenal, who are notorious for doing well in the FA Cup, they they were focused on the Premier League. You know, they got a really good opportunity to win it. So the likes of Fulham and Brentford, who now have a massive cushion, they for me this is the season to take the FA Cup seriously. And and if if we don't beat Chelsea, you know, I know it's Chelsea and we want to beat them, but I'd rather win the FA Cup. Uh, and I, I'd rather, I know we might play our strongest eleven and lose anyway, but I would rather do that than make ten changes and go out first like we did against Crawley, because I feel like this is a massive opportunity and making ten changes and saying we've got a strong enough bench to do it. I don't think football works that way. I think the fact that we've done so well is because we've made very few changes and there's a there's like you know. Uh, repetitiveness, there's cohesion between the players. So the likes of Harry Wilson, yeah, give him a game. Uh, give, um, uh, what do you call it? You know, bring Harris in for Pereira if you need to. But, um, but then you start bringing in, yeah, let's play Kurzawa, let's play Mbabu, let's bring Rodak in. Oh my God, you're giving me palpitations. You might as well just say, thank you very much, FA Cup. Good night. We just want to play in the Premier League and finish mid-table. Because what's the highest we're going to do? We might finish seventh. Sorry, we might finish eighth. Because realistically, I think over 38 games, we're not going to catch Newcastle and we're probably going to finish behind Liverpool and Chelsea still. So we might finish eighth, which would be absolutely unbelievable. But eighth won't get qualify you for Europe. So... What is the difference between finishing 8th and finishing 12th if it means going for it and trying to win the FA Cup? For me, that would be my priority now. I think the thing you have to balance is, I wouldn't make 10 changes, but I'd definitely be looking at making 6, maybe 7. Anthony Robinson played all four of USA's games at the World Cup. Tim Ream played all four of USA's games at the World Cup. They've now played another three games in eight days. You're now going to ask them to play a fourth game in 12 days. You're, you're just asking for injuries. And then, and then the season gets derailed anyway. What's the point in playing them all for this game to get through to the next round of the Cup if they're going to be injured for the fourth round in a couple of weeks anyway because you've overplayed them in a 12-day period? doesn't make sense. Players need minutes. If you're going to keep the squad happy, players will be looking at this and be thinking, I'm going to get some time on the pitch. I don't necessarily think you need to take out absolutely everyone, but you, you do need to look at the players and look at their load. Harrison Reed could probably get away with playing another game because of the sort of player he is, and he has had that time off over the World Cup period. Um, Jao Palina could probably Jao Palina could probably play because he didn't play a lot at the World Cup. Um, so you could probably get away with paying him for the first hour and then try and get him off so that he then does have a little bit less of a load for him. But, you know, you're looking at players like Reem and Robinson, Mitrovic, who played in the World Cup and have then come back and then played again. You know, if, if Mitrovic plays at the weekend, for example, his fourth game in 12 days, Listen, if, having if gone into the World Cup with an injury, coming out of the World Cup, we can told he's still not 100% fit, and then, then he gets I'm, injured I'm on the weekend... But what well, I'm saying what's, is, what's I don't the want point in that? It doesn't make sense. Changes. I don't want that. 
And, and you know, the Ream argument, he's 35. He probably could do with a, a week off. Then don't play Duffy, who hasn't played, started a single game all season. Don't, don't do that. Play Tossin and Diop. Play Tossin and Diop together. Good opportunity to give them a game together because they will be the partnership if, if Ream can't play anyway. So good, good, good time to give them a, a game as a partnership. But don't, don't, don't start playing Duffy, who hasn't played, started a game all season. Polina can play, like you said. He, he's, he, he barely played in the World Cup. So what I'm saying is there, there is, you know, I, I would probably play Bobby Reid at right back rather than uh, Mbabu. You know, because uh, Bobby, I don't think Bobby Reid needs a rest. No, yeah, he's the most durable player in the team. Uh, Tete probably does because he's injury prone. So there are changes to be made. There are ways we can manage the squad. But if we go and make it 10, 11 changes for the sake of it, why does Leno need a rest? Why does why does Leno need? I mean, no, it's not about Leno having a rest. I mean, he's a goalkeeper. He doesn't, you know, might not need a rest. But I mean, Rodak deserves a chance in goal. And I'm pretty sure that he's been sort of, you know, told you will get cut games. And, you know, there's no reason, you know, when there was, you know, not uproar when he was dropped. Because, I mean, you know, I would suggest that he certainly deserves to be second choice, first, first choice in this league. But he certainly deserves some game time. So I think, uh, you know, Leno may, uh, making way and having a sort of weekend off, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think also it's fair to say that our full ambition for the FA Cup doesn't need to be presented in what our lineup is just for Hull. I mean, you know, I, I think we should take the FA Cup seriously and I think we can probably go on a run. And I think we can probably do it half-baked uh, for Hull. Uh, not, 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 I wouldn't take the piss and literally make about, you know, 12... Uh, sorry, not 12 changes. That's the classic joke from Blackie and Marcy. But I wouldn't make you know, 11 changes as such. But I think we could maybe, like you say, make about six or seven... Uh, and, and still have an effect that game and keep some really decent players on. But as we get deeper into the competition, that being if we get deeper into the competition, I would absolutely, like they say, is absolutely keep Leno and keep our best players. Because I, I do think uh, Danny Offair made a suggestion that actually this is the sort of year where you can imagine no, maybe yeah, once, I, I mean, it probably I, I, won't I, I happen, think, I think where it, a team like look, us or a Brentford or a Brighton could actually get into the final of an FA Cup or a Carabao like this year. Go on, Danny, you were about to say something, not the Carabao for us. all the way and then they'll play their strongest team and win the final anyway. But in a final, anything can happen. I think this is the year, this is the opportunity for a team that's comfortable to actually go for it, rather than treating the third round as, oh, third round of the FA Cup, oh, let's play, rotate the squad, let's play all the reserves. If we go out, no one's going to lose any sleep because it's only the third round. We'll get over it. I don't want that attitude. We've put ourselves in a position where we can actually be ambitious for once. So, you know, I, I see our team now, the way we play, the confidence we play with. If we was to draw an Arsenal or a Chelsea in the quarterfinals, when they've got all these other games going on, I think we could go for it and beat them, especially at home if if there's no replays. It goes to extra time and penalties. Why should we fear anyone? But playing Hull away, like playing Crawley away, is a potential banana skin. You know, it's It's a game where if we don't take it seriously, we could easily go out. Uh, and especially if we don't go into it with the right attitude. So uh, that's that's all I'm saying is approach it with the right mentality, 
win the bloody game mm. get the job done even if you play Mitrovic for 60 minutes then take him off get the game done and go home thank you very much and then we can focus on Chelsea but we've got a game before that let's do it a game at a time you know manage the squad but make sure you win easy as that Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love the FA Cup. I still find the romantic side in it. And I, you know, I always look forward to... I, I'm, I love FA Cup first round draw day. You know, I, I love all that. I love seeing the non-league teams, you know, from sort of, you know, the Southern League third division or whatever get drawn against League One teams. It's then sort of... Mate, you know, come on. We're not safe yet. We, we know from experience that we can really shit the bed and end up tumbling down the league and other teams can pick up no 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 but you can't you can't be cocky about it well this it. is interesting but because I do, it's... No, I do, but I do, what I do agree uh, with Danny is that you know we shouldn't write this game off but I do think we have a lot of good players in our team that deserve a chance but I also don't think yeah I, as I said I think we could make 10-11 changes and we still have a good team out I just don't think you know I agree that we should only make maybe 6 but we should rotate the squad a bit. I think I think this game that we've just won and we've won three on the bounce and we're very very we feel even closer now to being mathematically safe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, has maybe divided some of our fan base in terms of thinking: Are we now at the stage of looking up or looking down? Are we worried about the people below us or are we now thinking who we can beat above us? And I think maybe the situation with this FA Cup game and general just loving the cup is Danny looking up because he feels confident that we're going to survive and maybe for people like me worrying that like we could still shit the bed as you say Morgs because we've done this sort of stuff before so I, I think that's the interesting stage we're at with this and there's a cat on on, on Sarge's on shoulders and it's it's fucking adorable <laughs> that's an awesome cat there's a cat anyway that's just for our listeners who won't really care about that but anyway I'll, I'll, I'll move on because actually something that well, we're nearly on we're nearly under time here we mentioned about changes made in the FA Cup we talked about Mbabu and we talked about Duffy I mean you're going to bring him on and there seems to be some rumours circling around that Mbabu's definitely on his way out um, it seems that Cedric Suarez is potentially joining us from Arsenal on loan or permanent he wasn't on the bench tonight for them at all which caused some Twitter experts like Dean Jones to mention it and think this might mean he's coming to us you, you've got Karsdorp from Roma who's another right back that might be coming to us and you've got potentially I think there was a link today with Omar Colley who we were linked with in the 1920 season under Scott Parker and maybe bringing Chris Smalling back so it, it makes you feel Sarge that potentially uh, Mbabu might be on his way out and Duffy might be on his way out or, or, or they j- just for the sake of actually regaining a loan, you know, a domestic loan per spot or whatever. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we do with those loans because Duffy hasn't played a lot, but you need four centre backs, so you, you need to go and get someone in to replace him before you send him back a hundred percent. And then you come back to the happy squad thing. You know, it may maybe Duffy's not happy being on the bench. He always seems to be in fairly good spirits when you see him. Uh, and pictures at training and stuff like that. Maybe maybe he's not overly overjoyed with it. Um, but then if you, if you do go out and you bring in a, a you know an Omar Colley for example, Omar Colley's not coming to Fulham to sit on the bench. He's he's coming to start. He wants to be 
you know, a main a main player wherever he is, and, and is he, he's not going to break up the centre back pairing that we've got at the moment. I don't think anyone currently in the starting lineup um, is is going to lose their place to a new player coming in. That any new players that come in now are going to have to prove their worth. So again, you bring players in. What are they expecting? Who who do you bring in that's kind of not going to upset the apple cart? It's it's a tricky one. Um, yeah. It's we gonna... are a little bit overstocked in certain areas, like wide, wide players. We've now, if everyone's fit, we've got five wide players, and that's even with Cabano out. So, you know, Dan James could probably go back, um, and you use that loan maybe for a central midfielder where we're a little bit less less stocked. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how we play this, and if if we we switch up the loans, if we do send either of them back to try and get someone else in. Um, remember, it's only it's only Premier League loans that we're we're over we're over on. So if you know we could get someone from abroad on loan, and it wouldn't be a massive issue. Yeah. Um, it just it just depends what what they're looking for, who they're looking for. Um, well, it says you know now you yeah, now you now tough. you say that it's interesting how we'll play this. It's interesting actually who will want to potentially play with us in terms of the fact that we're now seventh. So we're actually quite an attractive prospect. It's not sort of like the situations in the Premier League before where we've um, been desperate and we've been you know 18th or 19th and just desperate to get anyone in I mean we're 7th so that you could get a sort of a quite a like a very sort of marquee type of signing in potentially but then again if you get a marquee in signing who's I mean you know me and you have had a joke about maybe getting someone like Van der Beek on loan who would be cover maybe the Bob, uh, the Harrison Reed position and the Pereira position quite comfortably but but at the same time who do you replace him with as a start at this point I wouldn't replace any of our midfielders for them uh, as a, in a starting position so it, it's 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 a tricky tricky scenario it's, it's going to be a mental January I mean I think Chelsea are on the verge of spending 110 million euros on uh, any of any Fernando, one of the World Cup winners central midfielders so it's going to be it's going to be crazy um, Morgs or Danny do you, do you have any thoughts on this January transfer window as we wrap this up I, I mean from our point of view I don't think this is a window to make marquee signings I think right. Chelsea will do it because they're owned by a fairly over exuberant American who just wants to sort of like throw cash at a situation that isn't working out particularly well for them so far which you know if they can do that and they can, you know, twist FFP enough, fine. We're not in a position to do that. We will be bringing in maybe a couple of signings that will complement our squad. We're not going to be bringing in signings that are going to, you know, come in demanding a starting place. So if Collie is someone that comes in and he's like, well, I have to be starting. No, sorry. I mean, we've got Diop and Reem or Tosin and Reem who have earned their place in our team. Unless Tosin's being sold, but that's the that's that you know that's the evil. Tosin will not out. be Tosin but, will not be sold in this window. Yeah, I don't think any of our players will be sold. We might send Duffy or James back. Um, obviously, James hasn't set the world alight since he's been here. Duffy is a useful squad member, and that's why I don't think you know we'd be going out and signing a starting centre back because we have Duffy and he was there. Should one of our three, you know, first choice as it were, defenders. Uh, is out of action but we do need a midfielder as backup Shalaber Onoma they're not up to the Premier League we do need to bring someone there we have a probably enough wingers but at the same time it's one of those positions where they can pick up injuries quite uh, quite a lot obviously we've seen Cabano go out for the season so maybe we need another winger as a backup 
but that's probably Dan James's job. So it'd be weird if he got um, uh, sent back based on that. So I think I don't think it's going to be a manic January for us. I think there will be a few teams that do go out and spend quite a bit of cash because they're not in the place, uh, you know, they're not in the position in the league that they expect to be. So we, we shall see what happens. But I don't think uh, the Khans are going to be going out. And I don't think Silver would want it either, going out and splashing mass amounts of cash on players that we're just splashing cash for the sake of it. And we've proven in, you know, the past couple of seasons, maybe not in the, you know, the whole time of their reign, that we don't just go out and throw money uh, at, to win the FA Cup. Money at the wall and uh, it sticks. Final word on you, Danny, um, on transfers or anything that we can maybe do to maybe push ourselves into the Champions League spot? Silly. We had an outstanding transfer window in the summer and it's put us in a... We've got a nicely balanced team, I, I think. And it's not just about um, having two players for every position because obviously if certain players like a Robinson or a Mitrovic did get injured for a long time, it would completely change the dynamics, dynamics of the squad and the team. But we have a team that everybody's happy and everyone knows their role. And I feel like everyone is repaying Silva for the faith he's shown in them. And if we was to go out and stock up on players for the sake of it, would it affect the role Tom Kearney plays? You know, Tom Kearney gets a lot of minutes off the bench. If suddenly we had two midfielders, would, it, would he always be the first go-to sub? Um, same, same with the the, the centre back situation. You know, if Duffy's happy to be fourth choice, then just keep him. He's he's experienced, you know, and and I think it, it he hasn't cost us anything, so it's almost like risk free. And and you know that if he did come in, he's experienced enough to do a job for one or two games. But chances of needing him for more than that is very slim because he's fourth choice. So if the players are happy in the roles they're playing, even Dan James to an extent, he never looks unhappy at the role he's playing. I think, you know, keep him at arm's length away from the starting eleven. but with the speed he's got, he's certainly got a role to play. And even Vinicius, you know, we've got to be realistic. We, you know, we might be seventh, but we're not, what have we got to offer? We're not in Europe. So it's not like we can be like a, one of the big boys and have three players for every, you know, three strikers and two sit on the bench and wait for their chance. We've got Vinicius who looks happy to be a backup. Uh, and I think, you know, you've got to get that balance right. If I was going to get rid of players in this transfer window, it'd be the Deadwood. And I, and I don't mean that horribly, but the likes of Onoma and Chalabar, they serve no purpose to the squad now. Uh, Silver made it very clear that Onoma wasn't wanted. He's only here because he's moved to West Brom, fell through. Um, so yeah, I get rid of the likes of them, get some weight, free up some wages, and and maybe bring in a loan from abroad if we need one. But I'm fairly happy. I I've, I think if we if we lose a player, we lose a player. The whole time we've been in the Premier League, you've had some outstanding players, some squad players. It's how it is. Exactly. And I, as you say, you're happy. We're all happy. What a great result, lads. And just before we go, I'll just quickly, with, with an answer and a brief sentence for it, I just like all of our man of the matches for this game. I'll go to you, Sarge. Burn Leno, 100%. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Morgs? 
I can't disagree. It's Burnt Leno. I mean, he yeah, kept us in that game. Um, I mean, the way he, like, just yeah. that chip that he managed to get out of from Harvey Barnes, incredible, making himself wide, like, brilliant. Uh, Danny? Full house? I, I mean, I want to be a hipster and say Kenny Tete for taking one to the, uh, like, you know, he just absolutely just almost got a, got a bit of a lump on his eye at one point, almost got knocked out. Everyone thought he was faking an injury, made an amazing tackle at that point, um, you know, got the ball, and that could have been a penalty on a, on a, on a in another parallel I universe. That, so I'd listen, say Kenny did, Tete did, if I was feeling did, a bit hipster, but no, that, let's, uh, let's go raw. Go on, be hipster. You love no, no, we'll go, we'll go raw flush. We'll, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go, burnt Leno. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The likes of Leno and Tete outstanding absolutely outstanding phenomenal and the players that have pretty much played every single game there's seven or eight of them to a man couldn't be more proud um, and they're, they're, they're slowly turning into arguably the best team we've ever had in the Premier League and at the moment there's hardly anything to you, you could argue against that you know the, the facts and, and the points say that yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed we keep going, lads. I mean, what a fantastic three pass games we've had, and hopefully we can get a result Hull, and who knows, maybe a win at Chelsea. They're not that, that not that good at the moment, so it might be all right. Well, thank you very much to my co-host. Thank you to Sarge. Thank you to Morgs, and thank you very much to Danny, and thank you very much to Don Love for producing, as always. We'll be back. We'll be back with a reaction to one of the games. I'm not too sure which one it is yet, but we'll be back very soon, and it's good to be back. Happy New Year week, and see you soon. Fulham.